We're back with the E-Scripture Podcast. This is Eric and Gina Robinson, and we are continuing this um, little mini-series within a series yes. on Psalm 119. Mm -hmm. This is part two, and we just barely got into it last mm -hmm. time. Yep. And so there are a lot of things we want to talk about mm -hmm. in this psalm. And even then, we won't get it all covered. <laughs> we won't. It's sad. <laughs> so uh, I think we'll just wonderful. pick up where we left off, really, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. with the part about God, or this psalmist wanting God to teach him, mm -hmm. open that, his that's eyes right where we are. to yeah. this, the beauty of God's word. Yeah. And so we see those statements throughout here that are that are the psalmist crying out to God to do the teaching himself you know I mean go to like to verse 29 I have chosen the let's see put false ways excuse me put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law graciously teach me your law that's what he wants God right. to do for him verse 33 just a few verses ahead teach me O Lord the way of your statutes and I will keep it to the end asking God to teach him let's go uh, forward to just verse 64. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. Teach me your statutes. Mm -hmm. So, and it's going to go on and on, guys. It's 68, 71, 124, 135, 169, 171. Mm -hmm. And that's not even including other places where you use similar. I'm just going with very strict teach me your ways kind of statements. Right. Um, but there's throughout this idea that he is throwing himself on, you know, kind of at the, at the very feet of God to teach him about the word, which is, I, I think, calling out to us, obviously. I think this is our big call that we need to recognize that God wants to be our teacher. God wants to be our teacher. Yeah. And so Even when I, yeah, go ahead. Pardon, um, well, 31, mm -hmm. uh, let's see, 31, 32. I will cling, I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. And mm -hmm. you had said something about that kind of goes with this whole teach me because the very next line is mm -hmm. teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes and yes. I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Mm-hmm. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Yes. So this enlarging my heart. Yeah, I want to talk about that too. That's huge. Um, I, I kind of love the enlarging my heart idea because of uh, kind of what it ties to. So like you're saying, verse 32, if we go there and look at that, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart, when you enlarge my heart. It's actually used for a wide open mouth in Psalm mm -hmm. 35, 21. Uh, and it's in the negative there, but then beautifully positive in Psalm 81, 10 of God filling up people's mouths in the promised land uh, or what he wants to do for them anyway. And so he's, he's opening in large, open wide kind of idea. So open wide your mouth. So the psalmist is saying, enlarge my heart, open it wide so that I can really take in your word like I need to. Oh my goodness, only you can do this. You can give me this big heart that wants to take this in. That's a beautiful word when you think about it. We're, we need to be hungry for God's word and then he just fills us up, fills us up, fills us up. And we open our mouths wide to eat it. 
and then he just fills it up with it fills us up with it um in our hearts and which is a crazy beautiful statement right there even this idea of teaching being taught by God, of course, Jesus brings this up in uh, John 14, 25 and 26, where right before he leaves and he's giving this long, um, what we would call kind of a, a, I'm sure there's a really good name for this speech, where he's going on so much about the helper and the Holy Spirit with mm-hmm. him right before he mm-hmm. leaves. But in John chapter 14, so this is last night being with them, in verse 25, he says, These things I have spoken to you while I was still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Holy Spirit comes and he teaches us. This is what we were talking about before. God wants to teach us. He wants us, each one of us, to be in direct connection with him and being taught by him. It's not about being taught by somebody else anymore. It's about actually having his spirit within us to guide us and teach us right now, each one of us directly. That's the life this psalmist is asking for. That's the way this psalmist lives. Mm -hmm. And I think he does live it in a very direct way. But he didn't even have the complete filling of the Holy Spirit like we enjoy. And yet he still sees how beautiful it is to just be taught by God and is asking God to teach him. How much more us then um, when we consider these things. And so I just, I am amazed that we have this (laughs) access. And and when we pray this prayer, it can be so wonderfully Mm -hmm. answered. Well, it's one one of the things I said about praying this psalm, even in short segments Mm -hmm. um would be so important because it keeps us remembering yeah that this is what we're this is our goal Mm -hmm. it's not really to uh ramp up our retirement fund or um, Mm -hmm. see as much of the world as we can the goal is really psalm 119 yeah and for us to be more and more like him Mm -hmm. so would you talk for a few minutes about how sowed, and I don't know if we've talked about that on any mm-hmm. of our podcasts, but mm-hmm. about how that goes into this teaching idea, yeah. God teaching us? Yeah, I will. Um, now, the word sowed is never used in Psalm 119, but the concept certainly comes out, certainly, certainly comes out. Um, the There were, in ancient in an ancient Jewish interpretive understanding, there would be four basic levels of interpretation, four basic levels. First one would be Peshat. That would be the, what we might call the, you know, surface layer, if mm-hmm. you will. But it would be a very strong, good, solid layer of interpretation. Yes. Very important. All the great Jewish teachers knew it was important, focused on it, said how important it was. Mm-hmm. So nobody's taken away from that. Really good. And it was this historical, literal understanding of what's going on in the text. and then. Therefore, how should I live? You know, mm-hmm. who am I going to show as mm-hmm. I'm reading the text? Which is very much what we hear and do today, usually whenever we're in church and what we understand. And, uh, that generally preachers preach from that level uh, of scripture, which is a wonderful level to preach from. And so you're just looking at the text. Here's the story. This is what we get from it. Let's apply it to our lives. Let's uh, try and live in a way that really right. puts God first. Okay, so that's great. Uh, then the next layer, and I'd rather much rather call them layers than levels. The next layer, uh, that they would look at would be remez, 
what we would call remez. Now, remez is a word that literally means hint. That's what it means meant to Hebrews. And so it was that the text as it's written is also could be easily and probably very, very much is all text could be read with these four layers. So uh, the text is also hinting at something more. Right. There's something that it's trying to get you to that's just under the surface. It's kind of there, but it's not fully there, not fully developed. It's asking you to seek something out. Like Rem- so much of the Old Testament that we say it's all about Jesus, mm-hmm. a lot of that is remiss. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily on the surface. Right, not sitting right there. You have to dig down a little bit, but there's that hint is there if you're looking for it. Yes. Exactly. So I think I think it's a strong remez for Jesus to use. Um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken right. me when he's hanging on the cross? Right. Because he's what he's trying to do is get his listeners <laughs> who are right down there here. Jesus preaching a sermon while he's being executed, if you can imagine. And he doesn't have to say um, it all. He just has to say this line. He says one line. But if you know this. But song, it should push you. Yes, and you should know. Yeah, he just quoted the first line. It should take your mind there. And then you start seeing all these different pieces in the psalm that are happening to him right now. Various things that are happening exactly like the psalmist said are happening exactly to Jesus on the cross. There's no way to escape that. He must mean more than that one line. He's, He's using this whole thing. Well, then you get to the end of the psalm and you find out it ends beautifully with him standing in the congregation of his brothers and praising the Lord for rescuing him. him. Exactly. Never forsaking him, rescuing him. Uh, And so I think that's the hint. There's the hint. Hey, what you're seeing here isn't really all there is. There's so much more going on here. So Ramez comes out of that things like that and, and very often in scripture. Okay. Now the third layer of scripture would have been Darash. Darash. And Darash, uh, the Darash layer in the ancient Jewish mind, Darash meant search. Search, that's what the word, word means. And so it has to do with peeling back layer. You're just peeling back stuff, word after word, thought after thought, what's mm-hmm. in this, what's in that. It could, you know, it's going to dig deep into stuff like symbolism, even different things like um, how numbers are used in a word certain studies. text. Yes, word studies, names, what do names mean? I mean, you're just, you're just digging whatever happens to be there. You're just digging through it. You are looking for whatever um, might connect to uh, in some way and give more meaning meaning to this particular text. And so that's a beautiful piece uh-huh. right there and things that. that you wouldn't yeah. necessarily think about right away, but you're really trying to just let it go wherever it wants to go. Then the final layer was sowed, sowed. Now sowed literally means secret counsel, secret counsel. It is the counsel. It's like you're behind closed doors with just a very intimate little group of friends and you are talking about things that not everybody gets in on. I mean, this is your, now it can be used. It's you and is used in the Bible in both the positive and the negative sense. Sometimes it's bad guys who are plotting together to do something evil and they're taking secret counsel with each other, but it also gets used very positively such as in Psalm 25 verse 14, where it's God who takes the one who loves 
his covenant into secret counsel and really opens his covenant up to him. Okay. Uh, and that is the kind of beauty that they, that's why they had this as the fourth layer of sowed. It's where you and God, God wants you. He takes you into a secret counsel and he shows you things. Now you can show those things to other people and they may be great, but they won't really be those people. sowed. those people didn't go into Here's God's secret counsel and hear it, uh, but they're beautiful and they're wonderful. And they might love that. Uh, that gets something out of it, but you know that when you were in connection with God and He was showing you that stuff, that's where you open up some passage, passage of scripture and you look at it just for just and it only takes a second. It's like He is just just giving you something that you've been looking for for a long time. I mean, where He opens up a little passage to you that you're like, Oh my goodness, that's exactly what I needed. This is, I mean, it just transforms your whole thought for the rest of the week you're like god spoke to me that it was so awesome he really told me something it was specific to me and specific to my need and um that's your son god really brought you in and gave you yes. so now that's the idea like yours like like we were saying like you brought up this in 119 how so fits in here i think is because this this is we are reading a man who who is a regular looks for regular ways to get back into that so presence mm -hmm. of God again and again. He has come to understand that the word works this way, that God wants to meet us personally through it, give us very mm -hmm. personal mm -hmm. interaction in it and directly affect our lives. Yes. And, and so he kind of lives in the so environment, if you okay, will. Okay, so I think the perfect picture of that, if we have a picture of so is that part in Luke 24 that we talked about on the last podcast mm, yeah where Jesus is having dinner and he breaks bread and they that's their when, eyes are opened that's when, and he's been teaching them all of these things and yes their eyes are opened yes and they understand the scriptures mm -hmm. and so I think that's a, a beautiful picture and I think we've all experienced that at one time or mm. another that we we feel like we got some divine teaching mm -hmm. personally yeah um so yeah yeah i i agree i think you're, you're I making think, a great point that's so it happened in there in the, yes. at the end of luke 24 or i mean middle of luke 24 but right. yeah it's really really great so i think talking about all of that it's just i'm saying when he's saying teach me i think he's saying all of this mm -hmm. yeah he wants it all yeah every yeah. every layer of every layer Every layer, yeah. I what God agree. has to give him. Mm -hmm. But he certainly wants this sowed for mm -hmm. God to open his eyes mm -hmm. and show him. No doubt. Um, and so I, I, boy, I couldn't agree more. He definitely is hearing that or hearing from God and wants to keep hearing from God more in every way, in all mm -hmm. that God has for him in word you could say every layer or whatever um but yeah he just wants to come into contact with god and god to show him what he has what is in here the teach me interesting note so if you're looking at like even as early as verse 12 there the word teach um and it gets used throughout here that word also in the hebrew means to goad like mm -hmm. um like if you've got a goat on your animals and you're trying to get your oxen to keep going and right. plow your field you put goads behind them uh, and, and you might have them hooked up with goats behind them, or you might just have a goat in your hand, a little pointy stick to keep them moving. Okay. Hey, go, go, go. Um, so my dad drove cattle trucks and okay. I went with him all the time. So those electric the, the cattle modern, prod yep. 
things, and I was always scared to death of them. Yes, but that's naturally. what comes to my mind every time I'm thinking about goading someone. So I'm thinking he's yeah. wanting God to, you know, push him, even mm-hmm. if it hurts a little bit. Yeah, keep him on the right path, and yeah, be his guide, and keep him doing these right things. So that's that's a real picture in my head now. Yeah, you said that. It's a goad. It's a modern, and that's like you said, the cattle, the cattle prod is just the modern goad. Yeah. That's all it is. But yeah, just um, something to, hey, stay on the right path. Hey, mm-hmm. let's go. Hey, you can move You're forward. You're getting distracted. You know? Get <laughs> yeah. back over. So God, keep me goaded. Keep mm-hmm. me moving forward. I mean, we can hear that in it too. It's very much teach and instruct, but it carries with it that idea of being goaded too. So yeah, I, I like, I like that. that. Um, yeah, we need, we need God to, to push I us. I, need I hate lot. to say it, but <laughs> yeah, I'd love to think we were motivated on our own, but guess what? We are, we are uh, distractible, easily distractible beings. Um, so that's what's in there, which all of that um, gorgeous stuff about kind just of moves being into this meditation idea and, that we have. Um, very, uh, I don't know. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, at least six times mm-hmm. the word meditation. Yeah. Uh, is used in this psalm. Yeah, at and, least six times. Yeah. And, and so, so let's go to verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts mm-hmm. and fix my eyes on your ways. Oh, my goodness. Um, verse 23. Mm-hmm. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Wow. Verse 27. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Mm-hmm. And so it goes on, verse 48, verse 78, verse mm-hmm. 148. Yes. And you said this word actually is a word that is used for meditating like out loud. Yeah, like um, it carries with it this idea of, of speaking aloud, kind of um, this, even if it's to yourself. Kind of you a know? mantra. Yeah. Kind of, well, I don't uh, know. not so much maybe a mantra as just a, um, as just a, a, a saying it so that you can hear it you you got to okay. hear it too I gotcha. not just um hear it in your heart but hear it with your hearing it with your ears has something to do with being able to really understand it yeah and, i um, think that's interesting because i think um sometimes even today when we had started to look at this i mean we've been looking at it but i said before we started can we just read this out loud yeah because hearing it is different than just reading it mm-hmm. yes somehow hearing it hits a little differently and helps you to understand it is weird how it does but yeah yeah, it really does and the word was really written to be read aloud Mm -hmm. because they didn't have everybody didn't have their own scriptures to take home and read Mm -hmm. that wasn't even a concept so they were read aloud all the time so i would think even if you're going along and muttering muttering it under your breath a little bit but you're hearing it, mm-hmm. that would make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that goes along with it. just the teaching kind of goes right into that because I think you're being taught and you're meditating like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I get that. And I think that that is our, not something we do. It's not something we do well. Um, and yet something yeah. we're called to do. And to be in connection with him. That I way. think that also um, speaks to our needing to, um, that part of this, we think of study now 
in our modern culture, uh, we think a lot about our quiet time mm-hmm. with God. Yeah. And um, which I, I'm not saying that's not important, but I think maybe we forget how important our community out loud mm-hmm. <laughs> time and saying it to one another. Yeah. How important that is. Yes. Um, so I don't know. That just speaks to that to me. And, and it does. I mean, that, yes, speaking, loud, to speaking out loud with the word, encouraging each other with the word, this should be a regular part of our experience you would hope and you would think um what if all of our what if all of our language was so saturated with god's word that we couldn't help but have conversations with each other without quoting yes parts of god's word to encourage one another to build each other up to admonish to you know mm-hmm. correct or or just um bring into contact with one another build our relationship all of these things it would do and this is what we're encouraged to do and so, but only, but only if we're spending time in this word and only if we're meditating on it and letting it have its way with us, will our minds be so soaked in it that it will come out in regular conversation, you know? Um, but yeah, then we're speaking it aloud. All of a sudden we're speaking it aloud to each other. We're, we're hearing it, but there uh, other people are hearing it. We're hearing it at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's doing more as it goes out into the world. Um, and so that's a... That's something important for us, um, really important for us. I mean, I can't even say how big a deal this is. Um, in a, and I can only speak from personal experience here, but you know, I it wouldn't bother me if we had if I heard it a whole lot more. Um, I realize there are probably traditions that are not like mine, and experiences certainly that are not like mine, where they hear the word a lot more from person to person in their religious experience. But, um, but I feel like I haven't heard it enough or we haven't heard it enough. Right. We don't myself. speak the language enough. Right. right. It's just not, you know, it's just not so in us that it's a part of, um, a daily, uh, even hourly, uh, way of, of, interacting with each other now you and i here in the house i'm very happy because frankly i mean i can say honestly i love it that we have biblical jokes between us i mean yeah. i love it that we'll <laughs> quote a line from somewhere and it'll be funny because it'll fit the situation but it comes directly out of scripture we both know that it comes directly yes. out of this part of scripture and so it makes us laugh just a little on that level too like aha then that you know perfect but if you don't know it you can't even do that right. you don't even realize you know and so it, it's it's wonderful to know that that works its way into your life in all sorts of ways and i think that that's great a great thing um encourage everybody to do that now now that we've kind of walked through that piece at least i know that we're yeah we're going to jump to another piece here. So um, just know it's not like we plumbed all the depths of this idea, but um, but just to keep going through this, there are other things in this psalm. Um, so we've talked about the teach me idea um, that he uses throughout, just keeps bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up. Now, uh, I want to also look at the fact that he's going to bring up many times throughout this psalm, this idea of persecution. He, yes. is, he is suffering in some ways that, are significant. Right. This is not somebody who's just sat down to write a beautiful poem mm-hmm. about this beautiful life. Right. Right. Uh, he obviously is being persecuted and afflicted Yeah, and um, yep. going through some, something bad. Yeah, definitely something bad. And yet writing this beautiful yeah. song. Right. 
Exactly. Now, when he uses the word affliction in here, I think even though it can, it could also be used for physical affliction. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder, because it's so prominent throughout the the being persecuted idea is prominent throughout, um, that if mainly when he uses the words, the word affliction, if he's talking about that, he uses a couple different words for affliction, actually. But it could be that he's talking about that, or it could be that he is physically suffering alongside some physical persecution that he's undergoing both of those things could be happening and that's perfectly acceptable i mean we hear job you know definitely in that picture um but others too obviously and sometimes when you're persecuted for an extended period of time you're going to get sick in there too and then you're going to feel you know doubly bad uh about everything and so that could easily be the case as well but let's look at these um some of these verses that go with this now First of all, uh, we can point out, too, that verse 23 and 161 give us a specific about who is maybe persecuting him. I say a specific. uh, It names princes, even though princes sit plotting against me in verse uh, 23, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Well, then it uses the exact same word if I go over to 161 to verse 161. And it says, princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. Now, princes, again, uh, chief, ruler, official, captain. We've seen it used in other places Mm -hmm. before. It doesn't have to be a royal prince per se. It could be a noble person or a person standing in the society, a chief of something, even as, you know, this is what the the word used with the chief jailer back in uh, Joseph's, uh, in Genesis. And so just depending on what you're reading, but it's somebody of some position that he's got some, he's got got a significant position, got a stature. Yes. And he is, um, He's the one persecuting this psalmist. And so the, so we get a sense for that, too. This is not just from peers. This is he feels like he's being persecuted from people of standing, him, people yeah. of. Yeah, exactly. So he feels that. Um, so keeping that in mind, too, is interesting because, yeah, he's he really feels like he's on the lower rung being persecuted by the higher rung. Uh, and that's an interesting thought, especially as we think of Jesus and how he. And how he right. uh, is the one who lives out all of the word more than anyone. Uh, yeah, that's I think all ultimately about him. This is particularly, um, we can think about this in messianic ways. Yes, we um, can hear it coming out. Topological, that mm-hmm. this is pointing all, of course, to Jesus. But, mm-hmm. of course, people, the psalmist is going through this as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's a big subject for us because... Mm-hmm even though we here in America aren't necessarily being persecuted for our faith. Right. Right. There are people all over the world who are. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And this psalmist is obviously very righteous. Yes. And wants to do the Mm -hmm. most right thing with God, Mm -hmm. but he's still being persecuted. Yes. Yeah. So important because yes, this is being felt by so Mm -hmm. much of the world today. It's just that we're not, Directly, we don't in America. And oftentimes, it. when we are being persecuted or afflicted, we automatically feel like there's something we're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is not what this is. That's not right. That's not how this, this is. This shows at all. that yeah. somebody who is whose heart is completely on God is very much in love with the Lord and being persecuted. Yes, 
Very much so. Okay, I'm looking this at the time. I know yeah. we're going to have to stop already. <laughs> yes, ugh, and ugh, go to the again, third part. it's killing me. Um, but just so you know, yeah, I, I did want to. Let's look at verse 67 and 71 before we um, okay. stop. 67 and 71 that go with what we're talking about right here. 67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. And then 71, just a few verses after that, it's good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. What a heart this guy yes. has that he's now able to say, that was, that's been good for me to be afflicted, to go through that affliction. I'm, I've learned your statutes because I've walked through that affliction. What a wonderful thought that a person can actually go through a severe trying time and come out praising God for what they've experienced because it's drawn them closer to him. Yes. And we are not, <laughs> we avoid the tough experiences at every turn. We would much rather stay away from that. Yes. And but we it, think, and you would think that would hamper your walk. Yeah. That, you think that would hinder you. But, Good times are what should draw you closer to God. But right? I think this is, the psalmist is telling us that's not the case, right. but I think we all know people who have been through some really rough mm -hmm. things who would tell you that it brought them closer. Yes, to absolutely. Lord. And even and in they verse... would thank you for those things. Oh yeah. Thank God for those things. Not thank me, but <laughs> we got to pick this up next time. So yeah, we'll we got more that. to talk about. Um, love it that y'all are joining us. Thank you again so much. Um, this is a blast going through Psalm 119, um, so many parts, and we're going to have a third part of this for sure. Maybe a fourth, who knows? We'll see what we get through next time. Love you all for tuning in, share it with your friends, share it on social media, whatever you like, and we will talk to you in just a few more days. God bless.